0: Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the Word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so, so much. And His desire is for you to get closer to Him in this season through worship, through dwelling in His Word and prayer.
1: Well, once again, we're picking up the... Uh, third part of a series and it'll be the last part before we go into our action program on walking through the storms. And uh, we've been talking about how storms uh, come in our lives. Either the storms that we have no control over or the storms that we make. Last week we talked about the storms of our own doing and uh, we saw the story of Jonah and how Jonah created his own storms, and God is wanting us to get out of these storms. God wants us to learn something through the storms, and God's trying to assist us in the storms of life. Some of these storms we cannot avoid. They just happen. And today, the title of my message is The Tale of Two Storms. And we're going to be taking the message from the book of Kings, 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, and it's the story of Elijah. And I'd like you to read with me there, starting in verse 1. 1 Kings 19, verse 1, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow, about this same time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth unto Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals, and a cruse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again and a second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and he did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights, unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there and behold the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him what doest thou here Elijah and he said I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and have slain thy prophets with the sword and I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away and he said Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entry of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenants, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. over Syria, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphath of Abelmala, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy space, or in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him... That escapes the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left with me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. This is an amazing story we see in First Kings the nineteenth chapter. Really, what is the lowest point? In Elijah's career. You see, Elijah, he was seized by fear, fear of Jezebel's threats, and he sinks into an unfathomable and profound pit of unbelief. His unbelief has affected him to such a degree that not even a powerful theophany, and a theophany is simply God making his very appearance known. He comes personally and reveals himself Uh, this this theophany that elijah experiences on a par with the revelation that moses received on mount sinai not even this could move him you see when moses meets god in the wilderness of sinai it happens to be on the exact same mountain that elijah has fled to the mountain of god mount sinai or as in this verse mount Horeb, they're one and the same During the time of the emancipation of the children of Israel from the slavery of Egyptian bondage, Moses finds himself going to Mount Sinai and meeting with the presence of Almighty God in the midst of a storm of lightning and thunder. And here we see that same manifestation of God. in And it's the same manifestation in both of these men's lives. It's the same lightning, the same thunder, the same presence of God. But in today's passage of Scripture... We see Elijah is now on the mount of God and those exact same expressions of God, lightning, thunder, earthquakes appear. The only difference is the storm of God's presence doesn't move Elisha from unbelief into faith. What was the difference between Moses and Elijah? Well, just look at that key verse, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 19 of Kings, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with with all how he had slain the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make thy life as one of those by tomorrow morning about this same time. And uh, what happened here is, Elijah's faith has been deeply shaken by Jezebel's threat. His problem is, he is not obeying, nor is he acting on the word of God. Jezebel, and you have to understand, there's a spirit behind this woman, has intimidated Elijah and totally influenced his actions for the negative. It actually causes this great prophet to come to an end of his career in a somewhat anticlimactic and tragic ending. When we look at the heartbreaking nature of Elijah's fall from glory, it's made all the more apparent when it is compared with what had just happened in the previous chapter. You see, these chapters are juxtaposed against each other. In chapter 18, we see Elijah, he's boldly facing down 850 prophets of Jezebel. Elijah stands firmly on the word of God, insisting, upon the importance of honoring the first commandment of God in the nation of Israel. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And there's something burning on the inside of Elijah. He's standing on the word of God for God. And what happens? God answers Elijah with fire. And the people rise up and they join with Elijah and they kill all the prophets of Baal. This is followed by a torrential rainstorm, breaking and ending a drought that had lasted for more than three years. So we see that Mount Carmel is the climax of his ministry. As dramatic as this victory is, in just a few short verses, and in reality only in a few short days of Elijah's life, both his ministry and the rest of his life, are inalterably changed. In a moment of his life, in a moment of time, his life and ministry went from defeating 850 prophets of Baal to running from Jezebel. And it sees him ending up crashing on Mount Sinai. Now, as gloomy as this may sound, 1 Kings 19 is really the story of Elijah's decommissioning and of God's choice to use another more willing servant in his stead. Now, the key to understanding this chapter and these verses uh, is is to recognize that Elijah, like Moses, has chosen to walk what I would call an ancient pathway. In fact, it's the very one that Moses took himself. After killing Jezebel's prophets in chapter 18, Elijah catches wind that Queen Jezebel is in a rage. She's upset with him and flees into the wilderness. Remember Moses? Moses, after killing the Egyptian, flees into the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years, Moses is on the backside of the wilderness. While in the wilderness, Elijah is miraculously provisioned by an angel. He's provided for on his journey and, and you'll see that this same Elijah was provided for by ravens from the king's table before this, this event of Baal. He was provided for by uh, a widow that took care of his needs. And now he's provided for by a, a cake and a glass of water or a bottle of water and strengthened him to go 40 days on a journey. There's divine provision in this man's life. But... What we see is that Moses, after 40 years, and Elijah, after 40 days, have an encounter with God on the Mount of God, Mount Horeb. Horeb is just another name for Sinai. Now, both men are told by Yahweh to ascend to the mountain. So here we we have this juxtaposition. And I'd like you to see the parallel because I call this the tale of two storms. The storm is the same storm, just two different time periods apart. Moses and Elijah while on the mountain, the mosaic parallels continue. For instance, Yahweh passes by at the moment of revelation in Elijah's life. He shows himself, he manifests himself just as he passed before Moses in Exodus chapter 34. As it was for Moses, Mount Horeb becomes, for Elijah, the mountain of Revelation and a place of a great storm. That storm is raging both in the man and on the mountain. Now, although there are many parallels with Moses, and I could spend the bulk of this message trying to teach that, Elijah quickly steps steps off that mosaic path. And uh, what happened is we see that Jezebel's threats rob him of all faith. In 1 Kings 19 and verse 2, it says, and thus more may the gods do if by this time tomorrow I have not made you like one of them. What, what a threat. The queen comes against you, the, the political power of the day, the power behind the throne. Ahab was king, but I'll tell you what, it was Jezebel that had the power and uh, she threatens him. And she's, she's, a, she's a picture of a demonically possessed Person. These people were deep into Baal worship. They were deep into uh, all kinds of ancestral worship and, and tribalism. And uh, they had brought that in and introduced it to Israel so that all of Israel had left the Almighty God. Unlike Moses, who stood up to Pharaoh with all the power of God and creation at his back, Elijah cowers before Jezebel. He's unable to grasp the might, and the power that is really available to him. Elijah makes two identical speeches. If you read this, it's absolutely amazing. that demonstrate how deeply paralyzed he's become by the queen's words. These speeches are bookends to God revealing himself right there on Mount Horeb. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 14, listen to what it says. It says, there he went into a cave and There he spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, why are you here, Elijah? He replied, I'm moved by zeal for the Lord, the the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to the sword. I alone am left and they are out to take my life. God calls out and says, come out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And lo, the Lord passed by and there was a great and mighty wind, splitting mountains and shattering rocks by the power of the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a soft murmuring sound. One version says a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his mantle about his face and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then a voice addressed him, why are you here, Elijah? Now listen to the answer, because it's exactly the same answer that he said before. He says, he answered, I am moved by the zeal of the Lord for the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and have put your prophets to the sword. I alone am left, and they are out to take my life. Almighty God, in verses 9 through 14, attempts to use the power of creational forces, winds, earthquakes, fire, to reorient his servant away from the words of Jezebel and back toward the power of God. Now, although God is not found in any of these manifestations, we see that God was reaching out to him. And, and, and by the way, these manifestations are signs and wonders that had followed Elijah's ministry. Whenever he would do something in the name of God, God would show up with fire. He would show up with a wind. He would show up with tempest. He would show up with storm. I mean, this was how Elijah had done ministry. And this is how God had performed ministry on his behalf during his years of the ministry. These signs are nonetheless Part of this theophany, this this dramatic event where God appears to this man of God, trying to snap him out of his despondency. Remarkably, Elijah's response to God, both before and after the storm, after the theophany, are identical. He didn't move. He wasn't budged. What's most important is, that what he's saying isn't true. He is not the only one who is left, who is loyal to God. In fact, we have to understand who Elijah really was. Elijah was actually largely responsible for leading many Israelites to repentance. In 1 Kings 18, the 18th chapter, at the height of his ministry, It says in verses 38 and 39, it says, "Then the fire, the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench. And listen to this. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Boy, there's repentance. These people are Seeing the power of God show up, they're repenting. It was those same people that turned and helped the prophet destroy 850 prophets of Baal. And then there was another guy right there in that 18th chapter, Obadiah, who had hidden the hundred prophets. He, he, he was used of God, and he had hidden the hundred prophets from Jezebel. He worked with, in Jezebel's court. The Bible says that he revered the Lord greatly. First Kings 18.3. You see, here's what we have to understand. Blinded by fear, Elijah is unable to see God's work on Mount Sinai or anywhere else for that matter. Amazingly, unlike the audience on Mount Carmel that repented, the fire of God does not move Elijah to repentance, nor does it cause him to loose those bonds. It doesn't loose him from the bonds that have gripped him, the bonds of fear that Jezebel has struck in his heart. In fact, we see in Elijah's two speeches, the fact that they're both identical indicates that experiencing God's demonstration of creational power had no effect on the prophet. In fact, he clings to the words of Jezebel rather than to the word of God. So we see Elijah's life. It begins to descend from fear into disobedience. We see this clearly when we examine God's final instructions for Elijah. 1 Kings 19, verses 15 through 18. Listen to this. Some of these are the most sad words I think a man of God could ever hear. The Lord said unto him, to Elijah, Go back the way that you came, and on to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, the king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, Eli- the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Whoever escapes the sword of Haziel shall be slain by Jehu. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu shall be slain by Elisha. I will live in Israel Only 7,000, every knee that has not knelt to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Powerful verse of scripture. Elijah is given three charges, three things to do to finish his career. Anoint Haziel as king of Aram. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king of Israel. That's the northern kingdom and anoint elisha the son of shaphat as Elisha's, elijah's replacement this new wave of divine agents this new wave of kings and and prophets will finish this religious crusade this bloody revenge on idol worship in the land the revenge uh, and the, the the attack the crusade that elijah had begun in the 18th chapter. You know, I often look at this and I think of our own situation sometimes here in in Africa and other times around the world where the current cultural and political environment leaves so much to be desired. So many gaps, so many uh, just wickednesses that have crept in. Selfish gain rather than serving people, the idea behind uh, bringing idolatry to the forefront. But at one time we were a Christian nation. Now we are raising up statues and idols, openly defying Almighty God. And then intimidating people, using intimidation, using control, domination. Those are all forms of how far we've fallen. They're forms of witchcraft in the world. Here's a question we have. Sometimes we read this, and I know we make Elijah to be great. And he was, by the way, he's one of the greatest prophets. He was taken up by God. I think God loved him. I think he had a terrible fight on his hands, and I think it shows part of the mercy of God. But does Elijah actually obey God in these matters? Well, yes and no. To be sure, Elijah throws his mantle on Elisha, and we see that story a little bit later, and it's an amazing story. And he becomes his attendant. But it is Elisha who commissions Hazel, not Elijah. And it's Elisha who anoints Jehu. Again, not Elijah. Elijah only did one of the three things that God left him to do. See, 1 Kings 19 then leaves us with a troubling and tragic picture of the once great Elijah He's now fearful, curved in on himself, faithless, and ultimately disobedient to his call. In an act of compassion, Yahweh gives Elijah a way out in the person of Elisha. The tasks to which Elijah was called all are eventually accomplished despite the resistance of Elijah. Because God is able to find another more willing prophet, namely Elisha, who wears the mantle of Elijah, the one that Elijah no longer wanted. Let me close by helping us take a look at how this message might affect you, affect me, in the situation we find ourselves in today. We too are being intimidated by voices of radicalism and hate. These voices are Energized by demonic rulers, powers, world forces of this present darkness, and spiritual forces of wickedness in supernatural places. Our court systems and laws are fallen in the street. Good is called evil, and evil is called good. Brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters are turning on one another as selfishness and fear become rampant at every level of society. Intimidation is only one part of how witchcraft can bring a person into fear. Manipulation, control, domination, threats are all the tools used by demonically controlled people and even institutions to lead us into a spirit of fear. God tells us that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of strength, and of a sound mind. Whenever there's fear, you know that it's the enemy. When the words of the enemy seem louder and stronger than the word of God, you're being influenced by demonic doctrines. When we are moved from faith to fear, we're under the influence of darkness and spiritual forces bent on destroying our faith in God. Isolation is another indicator in our lives that we are in spiritual trouble. When you get isolated and have no one to fellowship with, no one to counsel with, you can quickly begin to lose perspective. That's why I think that this lockdown is so diabolical. You know. And it kind of concerns me that we can have you know, two or three hundred people being in at a bar, and we can have restaurants open, but they're only going to have 50 people in church. I said, there's something wrong with that. We're shutting down churches, and, and the church is the backbone of society. It's the church that gathers people together for righteousness. It's the church that gathers people together to be strong and to help each other in our time of need. When you get isolated, when you get isolated from fellowship, you are in trouble. And like Elijah, you either feel like you're the only one left that's trying to do right, or you can be overwhelmed by those that are doing evil. Many people have isolated themselves from God, and from his people, because of sin that's been undealt with, or unforgiveness, or bitterness that's risen up in their hearts. And instead of dealing with it, it's hardened them and they've turned away from God and they are susceptible to the intimidations of the enemy and the lies of the devil. I want you to know that the solution for these ailments is to repent, to return to the Word of God and to return to prayer and to fellowship with other Bible-believing believers and to begin to build up your faith once again. This leads me to the whole issue of faith. The Bible says that whatever is not of faith is sin. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, we all too often become weak because of our word level being so low that our spirit man has nothing to take hold of. Our spirit man is starving to death. I think of the story of the two wolves that uh, I think of. Socrates spoke about. He says, there's two wolves within us. And he, he said, there's the, 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 the one is, your, is temptation and leads you to evil. The other one is strength and leads you to life. And he says, the one that dominates or the one that rules your life is the one that you feed. And so it is in you and I. If we don't feed our spirits, our spirit man, we're setting ourselves up for weak faith. When we are not full of the Word of God, God's might, His power seems small. We're not able to see or hear God in our lives. We we can't see His fingerprints. Even though He's sustaining us, even though He's provided for us, We can see that he's moving on our behalf, but we cannot sense or see any supernatural manifestations in our lives. And I can't tell you how many believers I'm dealing with, and they just say, Well, I just don't feel it anymore. I just, I don't know. I just, that's the problem. We've moved from faith to feelings, we've moved from listening to the Word of God to listening to all the voices that are around us. And there are so many voices today. The information age is swamping people. Uh, I I saw a a, a documentary on how many hours people are spending on their phones, spending on the internet. And before the lockdown, it was like three or four hours. Now people are spending eight to 12 hours a day listening to voices. And I can guarantee you most of that is not the word of God. It's not building your faith. The second thing that we see in Elijah's life that affects us as well. You see, when we're not strong in faith, we kind of tend to live in our past. We live on the past. You see, when the word of God is not living, it becomes the dead letter of the law. It's no longer fresh manna, but old worm-infested leftovers. And you know what I say about leftovers. Leftovers, no matter how you name them or claim them, are still leftovers. Nobody wants leftovers. So we find ourselves resorting to telling of old victories, old testimonies, past visions, past words, things that are sometimes in our distant past. Some people are so far in their past that they haven't had a current revelation of God for a long time. 2 Peter 1 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, and this this is what I feel for me as your pastor, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. I want you to know something. There's a present truth that you have to have. There's a daily gathering of the Word of God that you must have if you're going to have living faith. Finally, when we find ourselves on this slippery path, fear leads us into disobedience elijah became not only fearful but he could not obey god something broke in him i'm not judging the man i'm i've been there myself many times but disobedience is a trap that the enemy uses to bind us in that fear and to keep us from reaching God's purpose for our lives and the destiny that he created us for to keep us from doing the good works that God desired for us to do. (sighs) I've seen lives cut short, marriages ruined, ministries impeded, and even nations destroyed because they allowed demonic intimidation, these Jezebelic spirits to intimidate, to manipulate, to control, and to destroy. Now, God can answer by storm or by revelation or in a multitude of ways. But guess what? So often, national leaders, church pastors, husbands, wives, young people cannot see God. He cannot be seen and he cannot be heard because the fear has now become too great. I felt and I feel very moved for the nation of Zimbabwe right now and other places in the world. But in Zimbabwe, I believe, and I think around the world, I believe that God will raise up leaders to be anointed in the stead of those who are practicing witchcraft on national levels. I believe that their deeds of darkness will soon be made known and they will be humiliated and forced from their place. God will anoint another generation of men of God who will be fearless and will proclaim his word and they'll proclaim it in the place of those who have stopped because of the fear and the intimidation that's been so rife. There will come a sweeping repentance over the church of Jesus Christ. And we will see that there will be many righteous, many who have not bowed their knee. And these will come and they will stand forth all at once. And there'll be a great turning back to God. My prayer is that you and I would not miss this. That we would turn back now, that we would repent. That at the sound of my voice, we would turn and say, Oh God, don't let me suffer in this storm. Don't let me suffer through lack of faith and fear. Help me to rise up and be the man of God that you want me to be. Help me to be the man, the woman, the leader, the voice in the marketplace, wherever God's placed you. I don't know how to close this message other than to make an appeal to those that are listening. If God's speaking to your heart today, and I know he is, I want you to be a part of this next generation, this generation that is going to usher in a move of God. God never leaves with a whimper. God's not going to let the evil of this world. He says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard. He's not going to let the enemy of this world take us down. It's time for us to begin to stand. It's time to be bold. It's time to return. Return to the scriptures. The reading of the word of God. Return to prayer. Most importantly, fellowship. We need each other more than ever. Right now, if you're listening to this and God's speaking to you, there's a number of responses you might have. Uh, The Bible says that narrow is the pathway that leads to life. Few there be that find it. I don't know what God's doing to your heart right now, but I would hope that somebody would be convicted and say, oh, God, I need to get a hold of God. I'm, I'm afraid that if I were to die right now, I wouldn't have God. But I, I, I want you to have God for all the right reasons. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. God, God wants you to be saved. He would have none perish, but all would receive eternal life. And I desire that for you. Uh, you can pick up the phone right where you're at and uh, that number on the screen, there's, there's somebody there. There's, a, there's a, a man or a woman on the other end of the line, and they can get you to a pastor. They can, they're, 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 some of them are trained counselors. They can actually take you through the scriptures and pray with you and help you to understand what it means to be a Christian, to be born again, to to give your life to Christ. Others are there, to, and they'll, they'll tell you how to get into fellowship. Some of you are so far from fellowship, you, you, you're beaten down by fear. I saw... Uh, A report about people that had the vaccine were more fearful than people that didn't have the vaccine to go out in public. And yet the vaccine was supposedly supposed to take care of them, but there's such fear in people's hearts that they don't trust anything anymore. I want you to know something. I think it's time we put our trust in God. God wants to keep you. God wants to hold you. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. It's time to break fear off, break the bondages of fear. You need help getting fear off your life. If you found yourself trapped, that's the enemy. God did not give you that spirit of fear. Call somebody right now. They'll tell you how to get into fellowship with other believers. You need each other. Come to church. The church doors are open. We're going to have church now. So come and let's have fellowship together. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for those listening. I'm asking, Lord, that a spirit of boldness would come upon each and every one. Father, though our enemies come at us one way, they flee before us seven ways. Though a thousand fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, it'll not come near us. You tell us that you've given your angels charge over us, lest we dash our foot against a stone. Father, let us not shrink back. Let us step up to the plate. Let us step forward. Let us not be like this dear prophet that we love so much, Elijah. But Father, let us rise up like his counterpart, Elisha, and let us serve you. In this generation with all of our heart our mind our soul and our strength this i pray in the name of jesus amen
0: thank you for listening to today's message we pray that you were blessed and that god will continue to transform your life in this season if you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling please send a whatsapp or a call me to plus two six three seven eight four three zero three nine zero zero or plus two six three seven one seven four five nine 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 we want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you to pray for you and to celebrate with you so thank you we love you and stay safe